Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standard Room Only Podcast. Yes, I'm your host, Ben Standing, and I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic, which means I spent my Sunday for about 50-odd minutes of an NFL game thinking, well, there goes the end of the Commanders' two-game winning streak and put into play much more of the idea of where is this team going. And then Terry McLaurin happened and Taylor Heineke happened and the Commanders pulled off an improbable 17-16 comeback win over the Indianapolis Colts. To discuss all that, I chatted with our pal Michael Phillips from the Richmond Times-Dispatch from uh, Lucas Oil Stadium. Did that a little bit earlier. We went through. Uh, it's always interesting to talk about these things right after a game. There's so much so much to get to, so much emotion involved, particularly this one with the Terry McLaurin homecoming game. Um, with this team getting a three-game winning streak, but it doesn't quite feel like it's a three-game winning streak, or it doesn't, or for a team that's four and four, it doesn't quite feel like they're a contender. But we shouldn't dis- dismiss or discount the the in-the-moment vibe that's going on here. So a fun conversation as always with Michael. We got into a lot of the different details. Um, I'll have an article up on the Athletic as well. If you're not a subscriber, make sure you do that. Um, it is a uh, Way to also listen to this podcast ad-free, but of course, otherwise subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you do your podcasting. Um, I just want to just say, you know, after the game, I went down, we went downstairs to the, where the media interview uh, room is, and we spoke with uh, Ron Rivera there, then we went into the locker room for a bit, then Terry McLaurin and Taylor Heineke came out, and while we were waiting for Taylor Heineke, McLaurin had already come in, and we could hear roars outside of the room. And and not far away, McLaurin's family was there, um, friends, family. He's taking pictures with people. Clearly, he's known from you know all his life, um, and they were also happy to see to, to to see him to see him succeed. He's so many of them were wearing a number seventeen jersey. Then you had a contingent there also for Taylor Heineke. A lot of people wearing his jersey. You know Taylor Heineke. He's 2-0 this year. They are now in 17 career regular season starts for Washington. The Washington franchise in one iteration or the the other is now 9-8. Obviously, we can say quarterbacks or or wins are not a quarterback stat, but, you know, for a team that has struggled to get victories um, over time, you take it, uh, you know, that, that counts for something. So I bring all that up to say that, you know, so much of the conversation we have, and I'm the one who's leading the conversation on this podcast, so let's be clear on that, not to mention what I write on the website, focuses on the bigger picture stuff. And Michael and I talked about some of this. I mean, (laughs) are they putting themselves in a position as they kind of have the last two years under Rivera in which they're going to win enough games to take themselves out of getting a top 10 pick and thus being in a better position to get a long-term answer at quarterback? Maybe. I mean, there's still a long way to go. There's still nine games, but it's tracking in that way. All right. Um, But is this the start of something? That's always the big debate. It's hard to see that it is. But at the same point, watching McLaurin, watching Heineke with their friends and family, seeing the guys in the locker room be happy. Cornelius Lucas was 
it looked like he was as exhausted uh, after that game. He called it a quote relief. Um, and I, I asked him about the resiliency of this team, and he said, "Hey." And I said, "How much of that is Taylor Heineke?" And you know, Michael and I talked about that, and uh, he he said that it's a lot, and also Terry and all these players. The, you know, kudos to them for for trying hard and and doing what they can do to help this team get a win. It's gonna make it's gonna make them feel great. Whether it's gonna make everybody else feel great, I'm sure some people will. I think for for other fans, can be like, eh, where is this going? It's a fair question, but I'm trying to remind myself. Sometimes you have to look at the human aspect of this, and this was a human aspect game from Terry McLaurin and Taylor Heineke all the way down. Um, all right, with that said, let's get to my conversation with Michael Phillips. We go more in detail about what happened in this game, and then plenty of more podcasts to come this week here on the Standard Room Only Podcast. All right, uh, coming to you from, I think we think this is the all-22 uh, spot in the in the press box area. I'm sure Mark Bullock would be jealous of us to be here, but we're going to break down this game probably more from an emotional perspective than an X's and O's. And of course, Michael Phillips from the Richmond Times Dispatch is here to help uh, assess what on earth happened. This is like getting it's like it does feel like it's deja vu all over again, both in terms of Terry McLaurin, yeah. the end of game play to help win the game in this case last week was to help seal the win uh it doesn't feel like it's just particularly fun win well let me not fun it didn't be an impressive win atonement for a taylor heineke interception that's that's we've hit that one before of course we've checked that box yeah. uh defense does well but gives up big plays have, have we seen that before i think so we've seen that before okay uh very yeah so Yes, it was an uninspiring game. Yes, there was a lot of punning. Yes, you know, you, nobody's booking their reservations for the Super Bowl after after beating the Sam Ellinger Indianapolis Colts by one. I, I, you break it down, though. I break it into these parts. You know, one, the defense is improving. I, I think, you know, while I think they were drafted in a way that should make them dominant, they haven't reached dominant, but but they're they're good to very good, uh, depending on the day and, and depending on who the opposing quarterback is. Two, and this is not nothing, you Terry has validated the contract. And in a, a town where we talk so often about, you know, free agent busts and big cellulite, I mean, we're going to be talking about William Jackson before this trade deadline here in the next 48 hours. It's nice to get one right. It's nice to get a draft pick right. It's nice to get a big contract right. It's nice to be able to say, like, yeah, that is a dude you want representing your team and, and you feel good about. Um, three, big picture, and, and we'll probably go there a little later, is I don't think this team's good enough to beat the Vikings or the Eagles. I, I certainly, you know, would love to be proven wrong on that. It would give a lot of juice to the late season run. I, I think it would open up a lot of fun questions about whether every NFC's team could make the playoffs even potentially if, if they could get one of the next two. Uh, I just don't think they're good enough for that. But I, I think in a a lost season, so to speak, um, it's fun to have a Terry McLaurin day. It's fun to have a Taylor Heineke day. Uh, it's fun to celebrate that play and forget that the other 58 minutes of football happened. You know, I just looked up the standings as we're sitting here. Okay, in the wild card race, Dallas and the Giants both six and, and two. two. Yeah. The third wild card, it says here San Francisco four and four, and Washington four and four. I, I I don't know if San Francisco is listed ahead because they have it's alphabetical or they have the tiebreaker. Yeah. But either way, that's where they're at. With we're talking before 
uh, the Sunday night game is is in progress, so Green Bay could join them or whatever. I don't think Green Bay is going to join them based <laughs> on uh, the the, low, the the five minutes I saw before I stepped in the podcast booth. <laughs> right, and, and and so that's what makes us just. And by the way, Pat, things we've seen before, we saw this the last two years under Rivera, slow starts, and somehow they start to rally, mm-hmm. and you got to give them credit for that. Like this group, whatever you want to we want to say about them, they are a resilient bunch. Uh, you know, and and uh, Taylor Heineke. I think it was Heineke talked about, or maybe it was Terry, but talked about how these guys really do play for one another. That there is that these guys like hanging out with each other in the locker room and and so on. Um, and, and you can really feel that. And 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 you, that's what makes all this so interesting is just that there is something about them. We can talk about stats. They're not good at this. They're not good at that. They have these deficiencies. But that X factor, I, you can't really uh, quantify it. And Taylor Heineke being the ultimate example where. Once again, not a not, not not a great game per se. He's not good at football. Like <laughs> we've got an, we don't need a bigger sample size, Ben. We've seen 18 games of Taylor Heineke as a regular season starter. I don't need a bigger sample size. He's not good at this. He just isn't. But then we talked to Cornelius Lucas in the locker room, and you you he says, you know, we we have this belief, you know, we rally together, we have this never say die, and I believe you asked him. How much of that is Taylor? And he just did not hesitate. All of it. Like, all of it is that dude. Awesome. awesome. I mean, what a team sport. Like, what what an incredible sport here. Like, it's not baseball where, like, Taylor Heineke be back at high A right now, like, working on a swing. Like, whatever that intangible is, it's real and it exists. It, it, it is. And, like, he makes plays to, you know, to win the game. And, like, we talked about. When Carson, when they were making the switch from Wentz to Heineke because of the, the the Carson Wentz injury, and you really had this dynamic of you have one quarterback who goes who likes to go for it all the time in, in Wentz, and the other guy who who understands what his limits, strengths, and limitations are, and put the hands in the put the ball in the hands of his playmakers. Two weeks in a row, we've now seen where he is willing to throw up a ball that might get picked. It might not be the wisest throw, but he's trusting the players to make the plays. And two weeks in a row, of course, Terry McLaurin has has done that, just that. So even though I'm with you, Heineke, it's like, oh boy, where is this going? <laughs> but at least he understands you got to put the ball you know, in the hands of these guys. There's nothing more frustrating when you're like, why are they throwing to so-and-so? He does that, and you got to appreciate the fact that he is willing to – he understands what he needs to do in that regard. Yeah, and I get – look, I – I hear I hear from the fans. I hear I hear you guys, and I know Ben does too. Like, I get the big picture frustration is we're not getting anywhere closer to the ultimate goal, and we're not. Taylor Heineke's not get, getting us there, and Ron Rivera's coaching staff, I think we've figured out, is not getting us there. Like, I, I if we're talking about like how does this franchise get in a position to win Super Bowls, the answer is not Taylor Heineke, and the answer is not Ron Rivera, and and so there's a frustration that comes out of that of. If we're not getting there, we need to torpedo this whole thing, blow it all up, and start over until we get there. And I, I don't know. I and and look, it's you know, it's not. I haven't lived and died and bled with this team for 30 years. But I, as a University of Kansas grad, I've seen some bad football. Uh, I know what it looks like. Um, I think it's okay to enjoy the journey. I, I think it's okay to enjoy it and not worry about what that means for draft position or for possibly Rivera being retained for a year. Uh, you know, I, I think it's just okay to have a fun su- Sunday afternoon, and and goodness, it's I'm so happy for Terry. If he gets nothing else the rest of the year, he's got today, and and that's so meaningful for him. Uh, a- absolutely. I mean, to make that 
catch. I mean, the offense obviously was pretty inconsistent for most of the day. They were down, for those who didn't see, it was a 16-7 to with with five minutes to go. The commanders kick a field goal with 4.55 to go to make it 16-10. They stop the Colts, and then they, they start the drive with their own 11. Again, they really have had not much in the way of successful drives this game and then it's just one play after another Heineke hits I think it was a big third down to Curtis Samuel at one point and then he just chucks it deep to McLaurin he says that Heineke said Terry was essentially the decoy on that play but he didn't like he I don't know if he said the name but he didn't like the primary target seemed almost like he was saying he couldn't see the guy which obviously we know with for Heineke is an issue in the pocket at times but that he then did what Heineke does he just sort of threw that aside figured out something quickly, called a play in his head in the dirt, as it were, if that makes sense. Yeah. And Terry McLaurin sort of recognizing with with Taylor, the play's always alive. He said he pirouetted around uh, Stefan Gilmore, got open, Heineke made the throw, and uh, got you know got the ball to the one, and then Heineke punches it in for the game-winning score. It was thrilling. And, and look, uh, you know, without getting overly philosophical here, you are a live-in-the-moment person. I tend to be like, well... Yeah, but like this thing could happen over there. This, this is the Jewish grandmother part of my brain. So I I do appreciate the fact that like yeah, like they won. This is three in a row. This was a fun end. Uh, and 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 so kudos to them for that. So hopefully some people can get enjoyment from that. And then we'll get to the other stuff. The other stuff is I. This team could sneak into a wild card. It's a thing that happens in the NFL now because everybody gets gets to make the playoffs and the season 17 games long and there's time to weather a bad start and, and all that so you're not gonna hear me say they're not gonna make the playoffs they're, they're four and four and, and they're sitting in position to do it you'll hear me say this team ain't went in a super bowl like i mean they're not um so you know that's limbo for a lot of people and i get that um you know it I think the Carson thing is really frustrating in retrospect, you know, as we watch, it was a bad, you know, kind of the, the, everything is solidified now. It was a bad off season to need a quarterback. The quarterbacks who moved haven't gelled well. It's maybe a thing that takes a little more time than we anticipated. The class wasn't as good as we thought it was. And to, to put so many chips into the Carson basket, which leaves you with Andrew Norwell, just completely whiffing a block on that Antonio Gibson screen. My goodness, how bad did that look in real time? And, you know, Trey Turner and, and like, you know, that Carson trade could have produced so much more in the way of roster building. And instead it was just like push the chips in moment of like, this is the guy, you know, the, the, the eternal quarterback search. Um, that one looks, a lot of people criticize that firsthand. So th- this is far from hindsight. That trade doesn't look good in retrospect, by any stretch at all. Right, and it's only going to get more interesting here now that Heineke has won his uh, first two starts, or I should say they won Heineke's first two yeah. starts. Uh, you know, he's 2-0. and oh. I, Wentz was 2-4, uh, and uh, two and four, so, um, you know, you can do the math on, on that one. And, if, you know, you're right. These next two games, home to Minnesota at Philly, are definitely not games they'll be favored in and would logically lose. But at the same point, if they can gut it out, even if they lose, it's going to be hard to go a different direction. These team players, they, they, they know what they know, and they know that Taylor Heineke is always going to give them a shot. I mean, just look at the sack numbers. They went down pretty immediately once <laughs> once Carson left. I mean, that, yeah. that doesn't. I, if we hit the point five weeks from now where Taylor needs to be benched uh, because it's a losing streak, because he's not playing well, because he gets hurt, whatever it is, I think that fans will rightly say, let's see Howell instead of let's go back to Carson. I, I think that 
I mean, not to say that that's what Ron will do, but I think that's where the sentiment will be. And I, I think I'll join them in that one. I like, you hate to just write off a guy after five games. Like obviously in Denver, they're going to work with Russell Wilson. They're going to bring in a new coach. They're going to overhaul the whole thing. They're going to do what it takes to make this work. But like, I, I haven't seen anything that warrants that kind of like, let's make that investment as it relates to Carson. I'm, I'm fine saying that was a miss. Let's keep moving. <laughs> yeah, well, and I think that really is going to be a fascinating story. Um, you mentioned the trade deadline. I don't think there's too much to get into here. They're not going to be trading away the Duran Pains of the world at 4-4, four and four, even if they had any interest before, which, you know, as we heard from Rivera the other day with Gibson in particular, it's not happening. He said they were not planning on moving anyone. This solidifies that other than the William Jackson uh, c- component. Um so do you do you think Jackson gets moved? You know, I, I think they're open to just saying if you're willing to just give us whatever to make the, to facilitate the deal. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, look, this it, that part, contract is going to be a tough one for a lot of teams to eat uh, at this point of the season. A hundred percent. You have and plus he's got the back injury. You have yeah. to believe he can help you, even if it's for no pick, essentially like a, a oh, conditional yeah. seventh. I think they'd let him go for nothing. Yeah, yeah. I, I think so too. Um, at, 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 the, at this point. And, you know, so speaking of the defense, okay, so the big unknown this week was the Colts turned to Sam Ellinger, a guy who, a second-year player with zero career NFL snaps. When you hear Ron Rivera saying they had to go back to watch his tape at the University of Texas, you know that he's a bit of an unknown. I guess they did a good enough job on him. I mean, the Colts, you know, you know, they only had 16 points. Um, that said, in the second half, the Colts went field goal, they had the ball. They fumbled in 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 field goal range yep. on the next drive. Then field goal, touchdown, and then the key was the getting the punt uh, after Washington had had cut it to six. Was that the one with the where he scrambled and was marked short? Um, Ellinger scrambled and was marked short. I believe that so. That was on that drive, right? So you go several drives with big defining play, two two red zone turnovers, of course, massive, and then. If he gets the first down on that, that that eats considerably more clock and puts them in a better position, too. Right. And, and the Colts averaged 4.7 yards a carry. Jonathan Taylor had some good work, but he also had a huge fumble yeah. as well. So it's like hard to sort of completely say, did the defense shine? I, I don't know. But they did enough. I mean, yes, obviously, they did enough. They won the game. Um, and, they, of course, no Cole Holcomb, which was a big deal. In defense of the defense, Colts only scored a touchdown on the short field. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you take away the short field touchdown, and the scoreboard says they did a good job. I agree with you. The eye test is not a resounding yes on that. But at least the scoreboard says they did a good job. And, hey, you only get to play the quarterback who's who's in front of you. Today it was Sam Ellinger. Uh, they could have lost to him, and it would have been a disaster, but they didn't. Um, you know, it's always interesting to get Ron Rivera's initial reaction after a game and see what, what are the themes that are in his head. And I, I think one theme, he was obviously happy with the win, but he was also clearly frustrated with the fact that the, some of the dicey plays yeah. that were happening, he particularly seemed to talk about defense. He didn't specify any player, but he said that they called plays and then some guys were freelancing. Yeah. And we'll have to check out the tape to see who that is, or maybe for those who are watching on TV, it was something that that, that was made a point of, of, of there. But the fact that, like, Again, this is where the, our brains go different. I'm thinking, I guess a lot of the fans are, well, where is this leading to? And he is he seemed to be willing to say, I don't know if this is leading to anywhere unless we start to clean these things up. And, you know, that is the truth. I mean, these last three games, playing Justin Fields, playing against 
obviously not Aaron Rodgers, but a Green Bay offense that was just completely handcuffed themselves. Mm-hmm. And now this, it's I don't know where they are other than that they're four and four. But I, I appreciated the fact that Rivera wasn't going in there going, you know, told you we got this, we're on a roll. <laughs> it was like I mean maybe yeah. he said that to the players, but he's like okay, we won. That's what matters the most. Yeah. But and I, for where I come from, I appreciate the the but. Oh, it, it was very necessary. I want to see something out of that unit in either of the next two games, Philly on the Monday night or, or this week against a, a very good Minnesota offense. You know, no matter who they bring to town, no matter who's healthy, that that's a really good football team. Two division leaders. I want to see something against somebody because in year one, it was totally fine to, to sell that like, hey, you know, look what we did against this bad competition. Hey, this would be good for us. You know, there's playoff experience, blah, blah, blah. Um, this is year three now. Um you're going no matter how the season ends you, you you ask tough questions about your personnel and your coach you've kept this group together for three years now that's an eternity in nfl time i you i think we need to see something against a big name opponent in the next few weeks to validate the loyalty and and the keeping it together that, that he's done well and that's what also makes without looking too far ahead here Kirk Cousins is coming yeah, back to town for the go. for the first time <laughs> for the first time since he left. Yeah, uh, which is going to be a wild and it really is like without getting relitigating should they have paid him or not. <laughs> you know, it's been a quarterback merry-go-round ever since he left, and unfortunately the Alex Smith injury really yep. put him into that mode. But but that's where they've been all this time, and um, you know it'll be just fascinating to see what happens uh, with Cousins uh, this week and just sort of the the the, the concept of hey Washington's now hot. And yet everybody feels like they're still missing a quarterback. Now here comes the guy who's and the Vikings are six what, seven and one or six and one. They, whatever it is, are very I, you know I always lose track on Sundays because I'm so immersed in this game. But I yeah it, that's a good football team. I'm and I could see this going either way too. Like if you want to tell me Cousins comes in you know 35 for 4400 three touchdowns, I'd be like yeah he might Dude, dude's coming in with a point to prove but if you want to sell me on on 15 of 22 nothing nothing and a couple interceptions and and you know he, he just he can't handle that moment like we saw that we saw that guy he, he shows up from time to time he, it's a fascinating week he does indeed <laughs> he, he, yeah absolutely uh we should just at least mention tressway once again when they had nothing going for most of the game yeah. comes through flips the field numerous yeah. times uh, you know, Terry really, remembered him. Terry, yeah. In, 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 in Terry's uh, shout out to anybody he's either uh, that either helped them get the win or anybody he's ever met along his way from <laughs> Indy. He mentioned Tress yeah. Way flipping the field for sure. Um, any final thoughts for you, from you about what we uh, just witnessed here? And uh, I'd like to forget most of it. I it was a it was a pretty forgettable day of football. Uh, just super happy for Terry, um, who you know, like I don't know, I'm not big on the like mythologizing athletes and like everybody's a good dude you know some people are are like that that that's not my style i generally stay away from that terry's legitimately a good dude he is and i was happy for him it was that's cool yeah when i i talked to his his junior year high school quarterback uh the other day about you know coming home and listening to him to explain explain who terry was Great guy, great teammate. You wanted to win for him. It's literally what Taylor Heineke <laughs> just said post game, yes. and other quarterbacks have along the way. So yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, Michael, give, oh, give me an early odds on all four NFC's teams making the playoffs. Like I mean, it, it's very improbable. 
I think I think the Giants balloon still sinks at some point. I think Dallas is probably fine. They play each other down the stretch, which makes it extra hard. They're going to have to bank a few along the way. Like they probably need to get this Minnesota game, you know, push the Packers down further. Niners and Rams that have to beat each other up. Like I'm still scoring it at like a 15% chance, but that's that's enough of a chance that I'm I'm kind of a little bit excited about it. Right. I mean, you kind of assume that either Rodgers or Brady will get their team going. That would right take one spot that doesn't currently you can't have any ex- spots. Yeah, you got to get all all spots locked down. <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> and San Francisco is currently tied, and you know they just got McCaffrey. But in any event, we'll deal with that tomorrow. <laughs> if, if I don't even want to look ahead, if they beat the Vikings, look look at. Uh, by the way, last thing, we didn't we had no, no owners. Uh, well, <laughs> l- l- actually, let me phrase Both that. Both owners were in the building. Well, actually, yeah, let's rephrase. It was wild. Jim Irsay, he's, he, he is everywhere. Not only is he tweeting all the time, he's tweeting out there inactives. He's tweeting out yeah. things that are happening. He's out He's out at the tailgates. Yeah. Then he comes out here. They had a halftime ceremony to put uh, one of their off, former offensive linemen in the ring of honor. He's doing. He's the PA guy. He, he's doing the, the master of ceremony stuff. Um, and yet, you know, as we know... The owner who, who for the team that we all talk about, he was here, but we never see him. He's completely <laughs> away from the subject. It's so wild just to see that. But yes, unfortunately, as far as we know, the owners did not have any interaction today. I mean, look, I, I've gone this far without saying anything controversial, I, I think. Um, but man, like, it was tough to watch. What was the dude's name? Tarek. Uh, Tarek Glenn. Tarek Glenn. It was tough to watch. Yeah, it, was, it was great to watch for Tarek Glenn, his 12 minute ring of fame spectacular it was tough to watch that and think about how wrong sean taylor was done like he, nothing against tark glenn he protected peyton manning for many years he's a name he's at he's 100 percent deserving being the Colts' ring of honor sean taylor man like that, that was generational like and they botched it like that that's rough. Well, and you talk about Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning was here. I, I'm pretty sure Peyton Manning's schedule was tight. <laughs> they had to plan this out weeks, months in advance yeah. to make sure that that guy in particular yeah. could get here, let alone yeah. let the fans know and all that. So, yeah. Yeah, they had the smoke machine. They had a video. They had a bunch of stuff. They had speeches. It, it was very nicely done. It, this, this is a very nice place. This is like when we make the list of nicest NFL stadiums. This, this is never on. This is just a regular nice place. It's not opulent or groundbreaking or you know anything like that it's just a nice place to watch a football game this is this is by all measures a bad colts team this year certainly relative to what they've watched over the last couple decades still a full house here still still an enthusiastic energetic crowd like it you know sometimes these road shows make me sad ben no, uh, yeah, uh, 100%. But at least Washington is leaving happy and uh, yes. always happy is Michael Phillips. Read him in the Richmond Times Dispatch at Michael PRTD on Twitter. Uh, my guy, I appreciate it as always. Boom.